Hello and welcome to a special, unique Heart of Markness. We are interviewing Led Zeppelin fan and author and so much more, Christy Alexander Hallberg. And she'll be here any moment. This is my first Zoom recording, so be gentle. Hello, are you there? Hi, Mark, I'm here. Oh, look at that technology. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much. For oh, thank you. And it, Christy Alexander Hallberg has joined us, author of the novel Searching for Jimmy Page, coming out October 20th from Livingston Press. I got to read an advanced copy, and it is super duper awesome. Oh, thank you. It is not just as a Zep fan kind of piece, but as 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 art, <laughs> as a novel. Oh my goodness! I, thank um, you. Uh, writing, and I took a little look around your website, and I saw. I, I figured that might be the case. Some of the, <laughs> the the location pieces were kind of first person. You you you've done that pilgrimage yourself, haven't you? I have. I've been four times going on Zeppelin pilgrimages. No kidding. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, I think I might be getting ahead of myself. And if I do, feel free to turn me around and say, <laughs> you know, tell me so, so we don't waste the valuable time. But um, the main character, well, here, instead of me just trying to babble through it, um, if, if you're comfortable and okay, would you mind giving a, a synopsis of, of the book? Yeah, sure. So basically, the, the story follows 18-year-old Luna Kane as she journeys from eastern North Carolina, her family's farm, to, to England to, because she, her, her mother, who was a, a free-spirited kind of flower child person, kind of gave hints that maybe Jimmy Page was her father. And her mother committed suicide when Luna was nine, and she has blocked that out for many years. And now we're at eight, 1988 and Luna is 18 and her uncle gives her Outrider, Jimmy's first solo album. And it kind of sparks memories and she decides she needs to face what happened to her mother and, and find out who her father is. So she takes off for England to go and track down Jimmy Page. That's so cool. And it is written beautifully everybody i mean the, the nearest parallel i could think as far as nailing kind of a, a, a family dynamic and a regional family dynamic would was um sometimes a great notion wow that's Just quite a compliment that, well thank you but that that's what it reminded me of of because that's where i am i'm in the pacific northwest and, and mm. keezy nailed that kind of lager weird <laughs> kind of brutal uh vibe and mm. i am not really I, I lived in north carolina for a, a few years did you really 2000. yeah i lived outside of charlotte in gastonia okay and um we made it to Asheville once absolutely gorgeous yeah and um i know i have some friends who who moved there that's it's i mean if i was going to live in north carolina it would be in in that area yeah for sure it's beautiful and you're teaching there, right? I live here in Asheville, but I actually teach 
about six hours away Ooh. in eastern North Carolina, which is where the first half of the novel is set. I grew up in Greenville, North Carolina, which is in eastern North Carolina. And I, I teach now at East Carolina University. And I used to teach face-to-face -face classes from 2000 to, I think, 2012. And then I moved to Asheville and started teaching online. Oh, that's, that's super cool. <laughs> well, my husband, my late husband, was also a professor at ECU. And he wanted to retire. He was older than I. And he wanted to retri retire in 2012. And so we moved to Asheville. And unfortunately, six months later, he was diagnosed with cancer. So he passed away in 2014. And ECU has been kind enough to let me continue to stay here and teach online. Oh, that is wonderful. And I'm so sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. But that's that's seems like a nice way. I mean, because Asheville's just lovely, and I could I, it is. I could see a six-hour commute being a little problematic. Uh, yeah, you you know, I used to do it every week. I would go, I would teach Tuesday, Thursday classes, and I would stay here and and head back to Greenville on Monday and come back to Asheville on either Thursday after I finished my class or Friday morning. So I made it work for a while, but it just became crazy. Yeah, six hours is a long haul. Yeah. I could see that. So how long, or I, I don't even know if how long is the question. You are obviously a real dyed-in-the-wool Zeppelin fan. Yes. You've done the pilgrimage. Oh, my gosh, I am so envious. <laughs> now, each time did you go, I saw the pictures on your site, is each visit, like Bonzo's Grave was one visit and uh, uh, Headley Grange was another, or was it? Yep. Oh, and you went to, would you please tell me, the pronunciation of uh, Jimmy's and Alistair Crowley's place in Scotland. Is it Boleskine? Boleskine House. Excellent. Yay. Now I know. Yeah. I've heard the, both and I, I've always kind of just, you know, been, been, been uh, not confident in, in speaking of it. When yes. Yes. Yeah. So it took going there to, to figure out how to pronounce it. That's cool. Now, did you go there before the fire? No. I didn't. I went uh, in 2018 is when I went to Beleskin House. And so I'd already drafted the part of the book that sat there. And I'm so glad I went because I had all these logistical things that were incorrect. And so when I got there, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is where this the house is and the graveyards across the street. And then there's Loch Ness. And I had a lot of stuff wrong. So I'm glad, I'm glad I got to go to in order to correct all that. Plus, it's just a magical place. Oh, yeah, I imagine. I've heard nothing but amazing things. I've got, I've heard, you know, Zeppelin friends, and I've got some friends who are into the Crowley thing and have done that pilgrimage, yep. and all of them are saying that place is just soaked with, with something, a presence. It is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's just too bad what happened with the fire. And I understand there was another fire. Oh, in, no in like 2019 or something. So it was damaged enough when I was there in 2018, but uh, apparently it's, it's seen more damage. Oh, that's too bad. Mm -hmm. Did you go to tower house as well? I did. I, of course I didn't go in, but I have been there four times. Just Jimmy's probably got this terribly embarrassing security footage of me standing outside the gate, just ogling in the house going, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been there, not inside, but there. That is so cool. I've just seen the interior pictures on on the the, the news articles where the the architectural features. It's just 
unbelievably. Oh, I know. I know. It's amazing. I would love to be able to go inside and look at it. And I, I did get to go to Bronyar and go inside. Oh, that was that was quite a trip. That was that was amazing. I, I got there and I found a, a taxi driver whose grandmother used to own uh, an inn in Mackinlith, Wales. And Jimmy and Robert, when they were there at Bronyar, would go because they didn't have any running water or electricity or anything at the cottage. And they would go into town and shower there. And I just happened to get the taxi driver whose grandmother owned that. And, and he was he was awesome. He was so cool. He drove me up that vertiginous road and you have to stop and open sheep gates and we drive on through. And then you get to the head of the trail that leads, leads up to the property. And I said, well, you know, thank you. I'll be back in a few. And he said, no, I'll, I'll go with you. And he carried my backpack for me. And we walked all the way up. And there was a couple that was vacationing there. They knew the owners. And I talked with the woman. And I said, my mother has died. And I'm on this pilgrimage to try and go to all these Led Zeppelin sites to try and heal. And she said, yeah, my mom just died. And we just kind of hit it off. And she said, come on inside. And I went inside. And it's just this amazing place. If, if you get to go inside, it's just beautiful. So I had this magical experience there, too. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Oh, and I think I don't want to bury the lead. But so your pilgrimage, it kind of mirrored Luna's from yes. your mother passing. Is there's a Led Zeppelin connection to that as well? Well, I have been a fan since I was 15 years old. My brother, Steve, who's 10 years older than I, was a drummer in, in rock bands in my hometown. He was a very good drummer, and he idolized John Bonham. So that's how I came to know Led Zeppelin. And I remember coming home from church when I was 15 with my mother, and we walked in, in the house, and my brother Steve's on the sofa watching TV, and it was MTV's broadcast of The Song Remains the Same. Oh, and cool. that was the first, I mean, he had a poster, the, the movie poster in his room. And I used to sit on his bed and look at it and just kind of go, oh, what's going on with, with this? This is an interesting picture. But when I walked into the living room and, and saw Jimmy Page in, in living pulsing color, just gliding across that TV screen, like an, an angel with a, a, a six string, I just <laughs> thought that. I thought the Messiah has arrived. I was done. Oh, my and goodness. It, it was such a visceral experience that I had. It was like everything I had been looking for that I was missing as a 15-year-old in eastern North Carolina in 1985 was, was right there. And I have been a huge fan ever since. So if I was ever meant to write a book, this is the one I was meant to write. That is so cool. And yes, I, I understand the that um peak experience because mm. uh, that's what happened to me it happened um a couple years earlier for me but it was listening to over the hills and far away on the radio oh. and i never at that time i was really into the who i was a freshman in high school yeah really into the who and uh didn't like zeppelin well because their song titles didn't match what the song was about and that irked me and <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I, at that time, I didn't like Robert Plant singing yeah. in the way that some people don't like Getty Lee or some people don't like Robert Plant. Right. Um, and then I heard Over the Hills and Far Away and was just with the harpsichord and the acoustic, just the whole shebang. Yeah. 
ESPN. And yeah, you know, nothing is, is a, like an imprinting experience almost of, of there's a, a clear before and after. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's what it was for me. And I remember sitting there on the floor watching and I was just mesmerized. And my, my mother, who is, you've, you've read my novel, so you know the character Claudia. Mm -hmm. My mother was nothing like Claudia. She was much more like the grandmother, much okay. more stoic and not at all prone to hero worship. And, but she sat there, she, she, she and I had a very close relationship and she definitely indulged my obsessions. And so she sat there and, watch me while I was watching the song remains the same and they did an encore presentation that night and she set up her ironing board in the living room and, and, and watched <laughs> with me and then after that it's like okay I've got to get posters for my room and she helped me put up all these Led Zeppelin posters in my room and so there's a con there's this real poignant connection between my brother, my mother, and me, and Jimmy Page in particular, but Led Zeppelin in general. So the book is a love song really to all of them. Oh, that is so wonderful. That mm. is so wonderful. Man, that is cool. I'm an only child. I didn't have that joy. Although my, my cousin Terry was a drummer in a rock band and, you know, mm -hmm. he liked Led Zeppelin. And I think that might've been the, the bug in my ear. Yeah. That they, were, they, they were something. Yeah. But yeah, they are something. And yeah, the song remains the same, something else. Mm -hmm. And we've got that other, that documentary coming out. Oh, this month. I know, Becoming Led Zeppelin. I can't wait. I know, I can't wait to see it. Oh my gosh. I know it's good. They're doing just the, the uh, I think in Italy. Yeah, the, the, the Venice Film Festival. Yes, but at some point it will be, I'm sure it'll be on some streaming service, I hope. Sure. But from what I've read, there's, good chance of there being some really good footage of some of the festivals of uh, summer of 69. And things yeah. Like that. Cannot yeah. Wait. Yeah. This oh. is huge. What's your book? Sorry. I'm meandering. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking. I'm having fun. Oh, I'm so glad. I, yes, I absolutely loved your book and oh, thank you. The, Mark. Um, I tore, I, 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 <laughs> I tore through it in like, one long session up until the point where Luna landed in London. Mm. And then I put it down because I, I didn't want it to end. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but I went, obviously I powered through it and it completely just enjoyed everything. And it had, it, it rang, it rang true in that sense. That's, you know, that you've been there. So you had mm -hmm. all the, and, and the one can sense that. And, um, Good. I loved the the hopping the hopping the gate or the fence at Headley Grange, <laughs> having the person that lived there just like oh, Led Zeppelin fan, well come on in, and just <laughs> how sweet that was and how that just I shared her excitement and being in that space because I'm I'm very I'm one who's very conscious. I put a lot of I put a lot of stock in in something like if I if I owned something of Jimmy Page's, I, I it would have a you know, it would have a quality that mm. made it special, even if it was just, you know, a salad fork. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and just, my gosh, there's so much. And I love, and, and Outrider of all things, what a great little vector. <laughs> because yeah. it's, un, in 80, it's the perfect time because in, in 88, at least to me, um, Jimmy's 
he's back all the way back. Oh yeah. Proving himself. And did you, did you happen to see the tour? No, I didn't. I was 17 or 18 years old and I, I didn't see the tour. He didn't come close to, to Greenville, North Carolina. So I missed that. Oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was amazing. And he I came, bet. I saw him in Worcester, Massachusetts, and my friend and I paid for um, a scalper and got front row tickets um, on the basis side, but right up at front. And it was the most amazing thing in the world. And having wow. seen the firm twice and seeing the firm twice was just kind of like, you know, going to church on Easter and Christmas. It's what you do. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Cause I was waiting the whole time for like, where is he? Where's Jimmy? Okay. Uh, But I mean, it was still not that it was bad. It just didn't, it didn't move me. Yeah. Um, And then seeing him come out and Robert was playing the same venue the next night. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was crazy. And, and he was right. I saw him right behind the bass stack when Jimmy was playing over the hills and far away, which was, you know, the first tour that they, both of them did Zeppelin again. And I was like, Oh my God, are they going to jam? Are they going to jam? Are they going to jam? And they didn't, but um, Mm. it was just, his playing was incredible. And I just got, I think all three extant sources of that show. And that's fantastic. It's crazy to hear it because listening to it, it was like listening to, that magic audience chemistry from um, like Blueberry Hill or yeah. something with the audience, every little twist and turn the audience is delighted by and hearing him play of all things over the hills and far away, every movement of the piece from the intro, the audience goes crazy. Mm-hmm. When the guy starts singing, the audience goes crazy. Mm-hmm. When it breaks into many have I loved the audience, goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. every single little change. And it is the, the exuberance and, and then that energy, I mean, that palpable energy that he wielded right. uh, just leapt from the speakers. And I think it's great. I think it's super, I think it's perfect actually that yeah. you had it take place in 88 and it, you know, not that it wouldn't have been just as good in, in, you know, 84 or 94 or any other time, but I don't know. It just seems to have a, per, it, a little divot in time mm. that that would just sit nicely and, and it just made it all better. Oh, well, that that's great to hear. And I think the reason that it took place in 88 is Luna and I are the same age. There's so much of this novel that's taken from my life. And when Outrider was coming out, I was so excited. And, and I remember Jimmy did Rockline. He did a two-hour Rockline special on the radio. Call in. People could call in and, and, and ask questions. And I started calling. I had this prince, this yellow princess rotary phone in my <laughs> bedroom. <laughs> yes. And I started calling right before the show went live. And I, I dialed nonstop for an hour and kept getting the busy signal. And by the end of the first hour, I was in tears. Oh! My, my mother said, go, go get a soda, go to the kitchen, go get a soda. I'll dial. That was my mother. Oh! And this very kind of conservative woman who still wore a girdle in the 1980s <laughs> just started dialing 
this rock star's number so that her neurotic teenage daughter could talk to him. And that is, she tried for the last hour and we didn't get through, but I just, Outrider was such a huge moment for me. And I, I have that, that album framed in my study here at home, but I, I, it was, I was so excited when it came out. It was so wonderful to see him produce something else. I mean, I love the firm too, but this was something all his own. And I yeah. was really excited and so wanted to touch base with him, but it didn't happen. But it just seemed like the perfect thing to set the novel in that year with, with that album being such a, a big part of my life. I thought, well, um, let me use it as a catalyst for making things happen in Luna's life in the book. And that's what I did. You did it wonderfully. I know I keep... Thank I, you. I, I'm not meaning to just gush, but <laughs> I, I've... I was delighted to read something that was not just great for being a Zeppelin book, but just great for being a piece of fiction. And it just, wow. it, it really, it really moved me as a, you know, a family story. And mm. I got, I got a lot out of it. And I think, I hope everybody who listens to this will go out and buy this book because it's awesome. You can fit it on your Jimmy on your Zeppelin shelf. You can fit it on your bookshelf with the other regular books. And, yeah. You know, it's just how long did it take you to write? Wow. Uh, from beginning to end, about 15 years, actually. Wow. Yeah, because I, it started out as uh, I have an MFA in creative writing from Goddard College. And that started out, it had a different title, but it, that was my creative thesis. The problem was, I mean, the story was very different, but there were elements that were similar. Problem was my, my mother died while I was working on this and it absolutely shattered me. Her death oh, just imagine. absolutely shattered me. She had cancer and so her, her death is very different from Claudia's, Luna's mother's um, death in, in the book. But I, I wound up shelving it. I, I knew it needed work. It wasn't ready. And I, I really couldn't do the work for many years. And then I met my late husband and just began living again and, and being happy with being happy. It, it, that was such a strange feeling after all those years of just heavily grieving. Yeah. And the, he got sick and died of cancer in 2014. And I thought, okay, I can go back into the bell jar or I can use art like Claudia and Luna, Luna do in the book to kind of find a way out. So I started to write. And I, of course, I went to Jimmy Page and, and Zeppelin as inspiration. And I started writing a memoir about going to London in 2005 to, to search for Jimmy Page to try and heal from my mother's death. And then I realized after a couple of years, of, I finished the memoir, the book really needs to be a novel. That was a, that was a therapy tool. That was a grief therapy tool, writing the memoir. So I went back to the drawing board <laughs> for a third time and, and pulled pieces from both incarnations that I liked and went forward with something new and, and just forged ahead and finally came up with this novel and thought, okay, I'm, I'm really, I'm satisfied with this. I'm really proud of this. This is what it needs to be. 
let me put it out there and see what happens. And it got picked up. So here we are. That's awesome. <laughs> That's an odyssey. It, was, it has been an odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm, I'm envious because I've always wanted to, you know, write the great American novel. Yeah. And I have a million things that I've started, but nothing that I've finished. And it's just hats off to you, madam. Well, thank you. Thank, well, you know, it's, it's interesting when you feel like you've got nothing left to lose, what you can accomplish. Yes. Oh, that is a good line. Holy mackerel. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to ask, and this is, I, I can't remember her name, but Luna's friend. Uh, Connie. For, Yes. Mm-hmm. Was there a Connie in real life? Uh, of a sort. Yes. I, I had a, a friend, a girlfriend in junior high that was very much a source of inspiration, just a, a very dear friend who was very encouraging and kind of maternal in a way. And Connie kind of comes out of that because I see Connie is very maternal. Yeah. Me too. And very supportive and very, yep. yeah, very much so. Yeah. What was a surprise is the character Peter that Luna meets in London. I, I didn't, I don't outline when I write. Um, I'm coming from a literary background. I, I, I teach literature and writing at a university and that's my background is just literature. And I, I, we're less inclined to create action-driven stories as we are to create character-driven stories. And when you create a character-driven story, then you don't really know what direction you're going to go in often because it just really depends on how they develop. So Peter was a complete surprise to me. He just showed up out of nowhere and I thought, yeah, you're cool. All right. You can stay. Let's, let's do something with you. (laughs) You can see that. (laughs) Yeah. That because then he's like, oh, he's back. Oh, yeah, look at yeah, that. yeah. Doing all this. It was it was really <laughs> cool. And having them, he and his girlfriend be, uh, you know, kind of instrumental to getting her out of London and to these. To Headley Grange. Headley Grange. Yes, absolutely. My gosh. And well, what that was, was it like inside there? Oh, my gosh. It's OK. So I tracked down the owner of Headley Grange online before I was going to go in 2015, which was going to be 10 years to the day that I went the first time. And I thought, I thought, gosh, I've come full circle. The first time I went in 2005, it was to try and deal with my mother's death. And now 10 years later, I'm trying to deal with my husband's death. And I tracked down the owner and wrote him a letter and and explained all that. And he wrote me back and said, please come. So I, I didn't have to jump a fence. I got an invitation. And when I got there, he was just so kind. He, he said, your story was particularly poignant and I'm glad you're here. And, but you, you walk in the door, Mark, and it's just the stairway is to your right, your immediate right. And it just kind of takes over the whole dwelling. It's so formidable and amazing. And you're, if you're a Zeppelin fan, like I am and you are when you walk in there you're like oh my god (laughs) this is where it happened yeah because you're picturing Jimmy stringing mics over the banister and you're you're picturing Bonzo's drums there in the foyer and it's just overwhelming wow yeah that is so I keep saying it but it is so cool my gosh 
And then the guy took me into the parlor and he's showing me the fireplace where Robert sat in front of the fire and, and wrote the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven. Oh and he's showing me the piano that they used. And I'm just looking around going, holy shit, this is, yeah. oh my God. That's crazy. This is a relics from saints. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Did you ever get to meet Jimmy? I mean, you went to that. Oh, and I loved how you took that Brian May, Jimmy riff a thought <laughs> thing and, and put it backward. Cause I read it. I'm like, Oh yeah, he did do that thing. And I'm like, yes, he did. Oh, I know in 86, he did a thing with Brian May at some concert, but I thought it was later. But then the, when I, I just read that today, that it was 2005, I think. Yeah. And you were there. Did, did you I get was. to say hi? Much like what Luna experienced. <laughs> That that part is there's a lot of autobiography in that chapter. I remember walking through security and standing there in the vestibule, and all of a sudden I heard his voice. I would know his voice any freaking where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard it, and I thought, "What the hell?" Because rock stars don't come through the entrance where normal people do. There's supposed to be some, you know, kind yeah, of yeah. someplace else. But he walked in and he was standing there and we looked at each other for a second and I, I couldn't speak. And then he walked on. And so that was opportunity one blown. And <laughs> then I got, I had a VIP sticker thing and I, I i got over by the back storage backstage door and every time the door would open he'd be standing there i'd be looking and and at one point he came out and our, we were standing shoulder to shoulder we were touching oh my and god I, <laughs> yes and then he's quite a bit taller than i am i'm five one and a half but okay. i was standing up next to him and i couldn't say a word and it was the same deal like in the book where I'm up there near the stage when, when he and Brian May are announcing the winners of the, the Riffathon contest. I was right there and then running like crazy after him to get to the backstage door. And, and I had a moment like Luna did where you've got one shot left. You'll yeah. never be in this moment or this place again. And if you don't, and, and anybody who knows me will say, oh, she's, she's kind of subdued. She's very quiet. She's very much an introvert. Something clicked. When he came out of the backstage door that last time, something clicked. And I thought, it's do or die. And his bodyguard was urging him down the corridor towards the stairway, which I gather was down towards a car park. And I started running. And I am not like this. <laughs> I just started running. And when he got to the, the top of the stairs, I just screamed what Luna does. Jimmy, I came all the way from America just to meet you. And he stopped and he looked up at me. And I, I'm sure I must have just looked pathetic. But he smiled and his bodyguard starts kind of urging him on down. And he, he smiled at me and he said, I'm sorry and kept going and so that's my interaction with jimmy page oh my god that's still amazing <laughs> i mean not as good as he invited you to tea and you stayed with uh, him. no no <laughs> holy <laughs> mackerel and and the energy there's something mm. there's something about the man and i don't know if it's the same if that there's something just about celebrity and it's like a frequency and if you're tuned into it you resonate with it or if it's mm. unique to him but um at that outrider show 
that I went with with my friend, I was trying to figure out a way how to get his attention somehow yeah. since we were up front. And what we did is we brought pockets full of guitar picks. Oh, wow. And we just salted the stage with them. And then when he was coming over in the middle, he did uh, an instrumental, he did like the chase and he had some dazed and confused in there uh-huh. and going, basically going from side to side, doing the, on the knees and everything. And for a second, not even a second, probably a fraction of a second, he's on his knees right in front of us. And I'm pointing down like, Hey, look, look, look. And there was wow. just a little flicker where our eyes met. And I felt, and I felt it. Uh huh. Um, That's <laughs> and, way cool. Yeah, and and he looked down, and and he just he processed what I was gesticulating, and uh-huh. um, looked down, and for another tenth of a second, there was just a little bit of bewilderment as to why there were all these not his guitar picks <laughs> on his stage. Right. And then he did, and I. This may be something that's been added through repetition over decades, but. I swear there was just some sort of little flutter, like a shrug, like a, huh. huh. And he picked up one of the picks and then started playing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's super duper ridiculously cool. And um, man, that that's as close as I ever got. I didn't get, he never said, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he played with your pick. Hey, that's awesome. Okay. Or my friend Eric's pick. We still argue about that to this day. Uh, no, I think it should be yours in the story. Oh, in the story, it's absolutely mine. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, there's there's something amazing about him, and there's something mm-hmm. about Zeppelin that unites all of us. You know, yeah, there are people that I have connected with through the podcast that, in every other facet of their life, there's not really compatibility. Yeah, and yet there's the Zeppelin connection and we can talk about that for hours and have yeah. absolutely no disagreement. Right. Something wonderful. And you really encapsulated. No, not even encapsulated. What is the word? The world that you created is mm. perfectly, perfectly compatible with and accurate. Oh, I'm not trying to all talk. I'm trying to talk all good and I just can't. You're great. It was great. Oh. You nailed it, is what I'm saying is you nailed it from Thank the Zep you. fans. I mean, you're anybody who reads it knows it as like, yeah. yeah, so I get that looking at the Outrider album, reading the liner notes, looking at the picture. What does it mean? Why is he spinning his head? And, um, yeah. you know, from the, um, from the people who are just like Zeppelin rocks, dude, <laughs> you, are, you know, really 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 graduate level you know the dave lewis's mm-hmm, of the world mm-hmm. um or the poor andy adams rest in peace i, I know that's so sad that broke my heart yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was going to be my second interview <laughs> oh no really well it was something that he had offered when i first started the podcast very first you know just out of the egg on baby feet and mm-hmm. he reached out and was like basically, Hey, I'm Andy Adams. This is what I do. I know, I, you know, I am, ha- use me as a resource. I'll be happy to be on your show. And I was so intimidated mm. that I didn't act on it. And just probably within the last three months, I decided I was going to do something about it, but being a chronic procrastinator, I just kept kicking that can down <laughs> the road. And I learned a real 
valuable lesson about why you should, like you said, take that opportunity because it may be the last time. Right. Well, that, that's, that's amazing that he, he was just a, a wonderful person and I'm glad that he gave you that, that offer anyway. Yeah, me too. He was nothing but kind. And I, I had, I, I would hit him up from time to time. If I was doing something at the very beginning of the podcast, I did a two part series of just what Jimmy page did in 1984. Mm. Cause he did a bunch of, I mean, every little thing he did, he jammed with Jack Bruce, he jammed with ginger Baker, not at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and do, 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 do. and I, I touched base with Andy. Cause I know that he at that time was friends or friendly with Jimmy and mm-hmm. was at some of those, like the Roy Harper shows and things. And I just wanted to be like, well, is there a better source than this? Cause this kind of sounds yucky or what should I be looking for? And he, he really was really helpful in pointing things out. And Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Rest and, in and peace. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace. And, and Dave Lewis is a, a great dude too. He's, he's been really kind to me in trying to help promote my book too. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. He has been nothing but nice to me as well in my dealings with him. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I've had as a tight, but loose reader and, and, buying his books he's always been nothing but gracious and kind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. carrying the torch during the dark days of the 80s right (laughs) (laughs) then hammer of the gods came out and everything changed i know i know well i did get to see the only time i've ever seen jimmy perform live is is with page and plant in 1998 in virginia beach i think that's the right year oh nice and and that was i was in the nosebleed section but it was such an amazing concert. I was mesmerized and he was doing, I remember he came out and an encore was rock and roll and he did the rock God leap, like from the song remains the same. And oh, I was man. Just losing it. And I think he hurt his back shortly thereafter and had to miss a few concerts, but he, he was, he had it going on at that show. It was fantastic. That whole project was 98. Yeah. 98 was astonishingly good. Yeah. I saw them in 95 here in Portland Mm -hmm. and it was awesome. I really, really loved it. And then, but when in the evening kicked in with all those Egyptian or Middle Eastern percussionist dudes and the orchestra and all those little uh, right under the surface, the rhythmic polyrhythmic stuff got me out of my seat and just screaming like I was 17 again. My gosh. Yes. Yes. He is. He's just, I know. I know. He's just, such a constant in my life and and somebody that has just meant so much to me and I, I think of him and and I think of my mother and I think of my brother and I it, it, the book really is a love song to all of them and I hope that if he ever does read it he'll take it in in the spirit in which it was written oh I'm sure it's it's wonderful i mean he's he's well represented and the the people the few people that i know that have known jimmy have always said that he is very gracious Mm. with the fans he may not take criticism the best among all of us but (laughs) who would um at that level uh or even with me if somebody gives me criticism it eats at me but um yeah i'm i'm sure it, it you did him proud and you did us proud yay and magnificent book. Thank you. Hey, I'm going to try. Oh, my goodness. We should probably wrap this up. Okay. Fairly soon. I have my, my, uh, I started my zoom meeting before 
you jumped in and I guess they only go for 40 minutes. before. Right, right. Well, where can I imagine one can get your book once it comes out everywhere that one gets books, but is there anywhere specific where it benefits you more or pre-orders? Well, uh, you can you can go to my website because that kind of encapsulates everything. I've got bunches of links on where you can get it. And I, I like it when people you can get it on Amazon, but it would be wonderful if you get it on IndieBound or, you know, really patronize indie bookstores that that don't have a conglomerate behind them. So if you could go to my website at www.christyalexanderhallberg.com, you'll find links to where you can get it. Fantastic. And amen about the indie yeah. book. We've got yeah. Powell's here in town and it is just cool. Oh, it's just, a, it's a, like a city library sized bookstore. It's ridiculous. Okay. Great. Well, well Mark, this, this has been wonderful. I know that this is not your normal format and I, I really appreciate your having me on. Oh, I appreciate you talking to me. Thank you. And it has been a pleasure. And everybody who's listening, trust me, this book is good. You will enjoy it get it and pre-order it because that I'm sure that helps pre-ordering. Yes, it does. All right. Everybody listening, Christy, Check it out. If it even tickles you remotely, pre-order it. <laughs> Thanks. It. And thank you very much, Christy, Christy, sorry, Christy. Let's, there we go. Ended on a wrong note. Thank <laughs> um, oh, was there one more thing I wanted to ask? I don't know. I'll remember it later. I'm okay. sure anything else you wanted to say that I'm not covering. I think we about covered it right on. Thank you so much. And thank it's you in the evening. I hope you have a good evening and I will pin you when uh, I'm going to put this live. Okay. All right. Sounds great, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you friends for tuning in, listening to the, you know, a little something outside the box. I hope you liked it. I didn't in the moment realize that it had gone on as long as it did. I thought I had like a 30 minutes or so, but it was nice. It seemed I listened to it again. And aside from me being a little doofusy sometimes, I liked it. And please check out that book. Check out that author. And I will be back with more soon. Thanks again for listening. Be good to yourselves and each other. Oh, stuff. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube under the Norman Plume Heart of Markness. You can also find me at theheartofmarkness.com, which is where I keep uh, the shows and the where you can find links to the concerts that I that I discuss. Um, you'll be able to download the whole things there. Uh, if you like what I do and you like how I do it, patreon.com slash heartofmarkness or the patron button at heartofmarkness.com. If you want to reach me, mark at heartofmarkness.com. And if you like what I do, classic rock-wise, and you like Led Zeppelin and etc., etc., I'm on Facebook in a Facebook group, the Heart of Markness Facebook group with um, almost 200 other folks that are very nice. All right. Thank you for real this time. Be good to yourselves and each other. Good night.